Hello folks, uh, welcome to another edition of uh, the Foodjib uh, podcast. Uh, today we will talk about uh, making Java attractive for beginners in programming. And uh, we have some amazing guests uh, joining us for this. Welcome to the Foodjib podcast, all your news about OpenJDK. Java gets some uh, unfair, uh, you know, bad rap uh, these days, uh, even though it's uh, younger than Python and only as old as JavaScript. Uh, well, some of the criticism uh, may be valid. Uh, most of it comes from ignorance of Java's evolution as a language, uh, at least in my opinion. Uh, but uh, it does affect uh, adoption, um, you know, of Java, uh, especially by newcomers in programming, and uh, it also scares away uh, students uh, to uh, to an extent uh, because of all this uh, wraparound. Um, uh, so, how can we make uh, Java more attractive to students and newcomers? So, let's uh, ask our amazing guests. My name is uh, Elvira van der Ven. I'm a lecturer at uh, University of Applied Science uh, in Rotterdam. Uh, our main track is uh, technical engineering. And that's actually a really good question. How can we make Java more attractive uh, for students? That's, that's the question well, we are all asking ourselves. To teach the students. My name is Matt Rabel. I live in Denver, Colorado. I'm currently a developer advocate for Okta, and I've been doing Java since the late 90s, so quite some time, and I have many opinions on what we can do to make Java easier for new developers. I'm Frank Laporte. I'm a Java developer, a senior technical writer at Azul. Normally I'm hosting this podcast, but I'm very happy that Deepu, you uh, proposed this this topic for the podcast and that you are hosting it. But uh, I'm also doing some uh, Code Dojo coding clubs for kids where we are not using Java, we're using Scratch and stuff like that. And indeed, that's a really good topic. Why are we not using Java in that club? Why do we think that it's maybe too difficult to get young people interested in this programming language? We should talk about it. And uh, I'm Deepu Keshashidran. I'm a Polyglot developer and a Java champion. So I work for Okta as well as a developer advocate. And I also co-lead uh, Jhipster. I'm an open source aficionado, author, speaker, you know, all the developer advocate stuff. Uh, and yeah, as Frank mentioned, I'll be hosting uh, this today. Let, maybe let's start with this. Um, so in, your, in, in each of your opinion, um, is Java a good language for beginners? And uh, regardless of what you think, yes or no, uh, uh, please explain you know, uh, why you think that. So I think it's a good language for beginners if the environment is set up. Because what I've seen leading DevOps for kids and doing other programming classes, especially for younger people, and even older people, Deepu and I experienced this at DevOps Belgium this year, is getting the environment set up is the hardest part. Writing the code is actually one of the easier parts. So if you happen to have an operating system that comes with Java, boy, would that keep be convenient, right? I know that Mac OS comes with like Ruby by default, and it comes with Python maybe as well, which can lead to very difficult, like... <laughs> problems for developers when they need to upgrade those built-in languages. But I don't know that Java ships with any operating system by default. And so that's the hardest part, right, is actually getting people to to have everything set up. So all they have to do is type, you know, the code and run it. Well, I have a little bit different opinion about pre-installed, uh, well, about how hard it is to install Java. Uh, we start with say, with C. 
that's pretty hard to install because you have different compilers, you have different OS uh, systems. Uh, that takes around two classes to install it at everyone's computer. Well, Java, if you uh, use a good EDA, you can just install it and start it, and you can uh, you are ready to go in an, maybe half an hour with a full class of 30, uh, 30 students. So I guess uh, Java is easy to start with, especially because Java takes care about a lot of things you don't have to. Yeah, I agree that the installation part can be challenging. I have been doing this the job on Raspberry Pi stuff for some years now. And you have one Raspberry Pi operating system flavor, if you can call it like that, which has Java. And then that's the full option, they call it. But indeed, those were the challenges I had when I started experimenting with Java and Java VX on the Pi. How to get this bloody thing running with Java the first time. Now it's simple. You have SDK man, which is, I think, a, a wonderful evolution of installing uh, Java and, and, and the tools on different platforms. Um, and, and recently I just discovered Gbang, which is even a more greater tool, which allows you to, to run single file Java applications with dependencies without the need to install Maven or Gradle. So I think we have gone through some evolutions there, but it was indeed a bit of a challenge. I agree. Well, I think we're making progress and also with some of the chips, but we'll probably come to that to that later. Yeah, and, and I also uh, personally think Java can be a good language for beginners, uh, especially, uh, I mean, it may not be the fanciest language or, you know, doesn't may not have the most fancy language features. But uh, in my opinion, the greatest strength of Java is its ecosystem and the availability of help and other resources. Because it has been around, uh, you know, uh, for for a long time, it's a very stable uh, uh, ecosystem of libraries and stuff. We don't have, uh, you know, like these framework uh, fatigue as in JavaScript or something, right? So, uh, I mean, Spring, uh, for example, has been around for quite some time, right? It's we are not seeing something replacing it every other year. So there is like a, a constant, uh, you know, uh, um, evolution or addition of resources, help, and all those things. So. For a beginner, I think uh, Java is one of those languages where when they get stuck, they can definitely find answers quite quite fast. Mm -hmm. you know, they don't have to uh, spend too much time trying to find solutions. They will definitely find something because somebody would have figured out that. Mm -hmm. So, and and I agree to the point that uh, Matt and uh, you know uh, you all mentioned uh, about uh, the environment. And I think for Matt's point about not uh, like the OS having this, I think I, the only OS I have seen Java. Uh, I know uh, coming pre-installed is some uh, Linux distributions, maybe Manjaro and Fedora, but even then, that's the 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 default Oracle version. And then, if you want to change from that, it's yeah. But I think uh, SDK Man has been a great help in that aspect. I think that should kind of become the official Java, you know, uh, uh, management system. Like you know, like other languages comes with these within the language, right? Like. Uh, Rust has Cargo, uh, which manages everything. Rust step to uh, manage uh, versions and stuff, and we have the you know Ruby version managers and these kind of things. So I think SDK manage and man, man should be you know thought along with Java as the starting point in my opinion. So yeah, uh, uh, along with Java, do you do you think uh, there are other languages that should be thought alongside Java to beginners? If you look closely uh, at the whole programming scene, you can. Uh specify different approaches, uh, object-oriented, uh, functional uh, uh, imperative, 
I'm not sure how they say that in English. No, and uh, last year's uh, GVM environment is evolving. You have all those flavors inside GVM. So actually, uh, I guess to make Java especially more attractive to the people, it's really nice to uh, show them that it's not only Java. You can run all those possibilities inside one system, one platform, and use them with each other, interact with each other, and use the specific language there where it's needed. And that's the uh, nicest thing of Java of the last years, I think. If I can add SQL, I think that's a nice one to learn. I have seen a whole discussion the last days about Hibernate and that Spring GPA is hiding a lot of complexity for developers who want to work with databases. But databases are pretty important. And I think SQL is... I'm from the age that I really needed to learn SQL. Yes, I'm that old. <laughs> I, oh, we still teach it. <laughs> we still teach it. Because yeah. I think that's an important one. How do you get the right data out of a database without overloading your Java application with too many objects? I think that's a nice one. And then, yeah, the web language. Yeah, is HTML a language, CSS? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be controversial here and say HTML and CSS are the easiest ones to learn for a new beginner. Yeah. And that's what I learned. And you can be, you know, say they aren't languages, but they worked for me. So you can build a lot of stuff with it. So, yes, it's language if you look at it from that. They, they, they together are Turing complete, right? Like with HTML and CSS together, you can pretty much do everything these days. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I also kind of have the same opinion as Matt that you know when you're learning a backend language, it 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 kind of helps because most of the you know use cases are like web related, so I think it makes sense to also learn something uh, for the front end like you know JavaScript and HTML and CSS. I think and that that's kind of a very common uh, combination as well, right? And of course SQL also, uh, but yeah, <laughs> uh, kind of Spring kind of made it a little bit unnecessary to kind of learn like full-fledged SQL because it kind of abstracts away everything and you can pretty much do everything with Spring uh, uh, data, right? You don't even have to uh, uh, touch uh, Hibernate or, you know, uh, SQL. I, I can't remember the last time I actually wrote any SQL like by hand, probably like uh, maybe when I started out my career probably, but once uh, I started doing Springs, Spring, yeah, I don't remember writing SQL by hand. Yeah, maybe like an odd, uh, uh, like to do a report, maybe you know. The, even then, you just uh, add an annotation and 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 do the uh, JPA uh, equivalent. But yeah, but I think another way to look at it because I I do think there's other languages besides just HTML and CSS. But mm -hmm. I bought books for my family. I bought one for my wife. I bought one for my son and one for my daughter. Like the languages that I thought they should learn. And one was HTML, CSS, the other one was Python, and the other one was Java. But I do think JavaScript like belongs in the same sort of camp. Like if people come to me and they're like, I want to be a programmer, right? Then I will typically recommend like, you know, I love Java. It's probably going to pay the best, but JavaScript and Python, I think are good entry languages. Mm -hmm. um, and then HTML, CSS, if you just like visual, right? Because I've been a front end developer most of my career. And the front-end developers always get the kudos, right? The back-end developers never get praised on how good their stuff is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They get blamed if it's something don't work. It's stuck, yes. Right. 
Matt, you make me curious. Which book did you buy for your wife? Oh, I think uh, I think I got my daughter Python, the son Java, so she got the HTML CSS one. <laughs> uh, I'm curious now. What 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 was the first language you all learned? Like, you know, in my case, it was Basic. Oh, I'm from the Commodore 64 age, so 10 is print something to, and 20 is go to 10, <laughs> and you're stuck with the result. Okay. I think we shouldn't count basic. I think everyone would have you know, got a little bit of basic somewhere, but what, what else other than basic? For me, it was uh, ActionScript and C-sharp at the same time, I think. So my basic experience was in the backwoods running off a generator on a Commodore 64. <laughs> so I think that's kind of relevant, right? It was my dad being like, come on, you should be a programmer, right? So this is like, <laughs> you know, five years old or whatever. And uh and I never did anything with it, right? Uh, Pascal was the first one I ever took a class on, and that was in eighth or ninth grade, right before high school. And I never did anything with that. So, like when I actually did something with a language, that was like HTML and CSS and JavaScript, right? Like building my own website. Mm -hmm. And then I started getting paid for that when I went into the real world. But my first job that I got paid for was a Y2K consultant. And so <laughs> I did a lot of SQL because I was building an access database to record all the inventory of all the software that they had at Storage Tech was the name of the company. My first language was actually as well, basic, Visual Studio Basic, the one you had to install on the 12 CDs uh, <laughs> and then your computer was just full. <laughs> Unfortunately, I've never had experienced uh, Commodore. By the way, it's still downstairs here, uh, but uh, it doesn't work anymore. And later on uh, in high school, we made some websites, HTML, CSS, and later on it was uh, it was Java. Oh, nice. Java is a little bit uh, my uh, my mother language. Nice, nice. Yeah, I think I also started with uh, JavaScript, HTML, and CSS. That was the first, uh, probably probably JavaScript first, and then you know, then I realized okay, I also need HTML and CSS to do get stuff done. So yeah, then I think then followed by probably uh, C plus plus and Java. Yeah. And Doctor Scheme. Actually, Doctor Scheme is the one where I actually learned programming. Before that, I, I just learned bits and pieces to get the job done whenever I needed. But when I actually learned to program and I when I realized that I actually like programming was Doctor Scheme. But then, yeah, I, I learned that. Then I realized, okay, nobody actually uses it. <laughs> but it was fun. It was fun to learn using that. You, you, you could learn a lot and, and you know, apply it in, in, in other languages. So that was nice. Okay, let's let's get into some of the uh, uh, controversial things, you know, when it comes to uh, Java for beginners and stuff, right? So, um, okay, I don't know if you all will agree to this, uh, uh, but I think Java has a boilerplate issue, right? As a modern language or as an evolved language, uh, which is quite modern now, right? It has a boilerplate issue compared to other mainstream languages. Uh, you have to write a lot of boilerplate. And I, I would love not, uh, you know, I, I would love to, um, you know, uh, be in a, uh, I mean, for Java to be in a place where you actually don't have to write, uh, you know, two string hash codes, getters and setters, unless you need it. I mean, of course, it's nice to have those options when you want to override it, but by default, you shouldn't have to do it, right? There, there should be, uh, uh, you know, uh, primitive, uh, you know, uh, uh, inherited uh, methods or whatever, like, however, they, they should be there uh, the, the default version should be there so you can just get get going 
write your actual code for your logic or whatever and and don't have to worry about uh, you know adding all these things around like this this boilerplate and and the ceremonies around right so i would i would love to see that and 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 i, I don't know what what your opinion is on 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 that but my question is uh, how do we tackle this boilerplate issue right because it's a it's a it's one of the first complaint uh, you hear for, from people who are kind of you know, uh, um, against Java or people who criticize Java, this is the first thing you will hear, right? Boilerplate, verbosity, right? So how how do we how do we tackle that? And and how do we and, and and do you think the language will evolve, keep evolving to reach that place where we don't have to do all these ceremonies? I think the language will evolve that far, uh, but that's that's really a question which we are asking uh, at the university. Where do we start to learn? Because you have two approaches. The first one is you learn it the, the high level way. You can use everything and it's like we say, automagic. It happens and you don't know how, it's magic. So you're programming fast. You can make things fast, but when something is broken or you want something out uh, really special or really complex or really efficient, if you don't know how it's built, you can't. So if you have to change that to string uh, method and you don't know it even exists, that's the problem. The other approach is start learning from the basics, really hard-coded. You have strings, you have chars, you have uh, hash codes. That's a linked list. That's how you make it. And then you make it step-by-step step, easier and easier and going to higher level. The bad things about that is that we only have a few years and a few hours to get the students there. So actually, or they don't pay attention enough to get there, or they are just hijacked by other languages and companies, so they don't get. So if one of you have have opinion on which approach is the best, I'm uh, really curious. A few months ago, I was at a high school here in Belgium talking about what has evolved in Java. And I had a group of 30 students and about eight teachers. And, and the teachers came to me. We didn't know that Java had changed so much. They were, yeah. and I think that's a bit the same idea. They stick to a certain version of Java. I think it was even yeah. because they want to focus on the basics. How do you do object-object-oriented programming? But the whole evolution in the switch cases, for instance, that we have in Java, they heard about it, but they don't use it in their courses, so they ignored it. The whole thing with the records that came to Java, which removed a lot of the two-string and equals stuff, I have some library I'm working on a pet project, a personal thing, where I only use records, and it's amazing. With 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 the minimal amount of code you need to to have a lot of objects that you can combine. And I I love it. I love the records. And then I, I made a, a video and a blog post also for Fuji some time ago about uh, JEP four four five, where you have the whole whole simplified main, which is now yet still a preview in Java twenty one. And it will also be a preview, I think, in Java 22. So it's not there yet. But I think that's one of those evolutions in Java that will make it easier. You don't 
need to understand and explain the whole private static final main string arcs stuff. But still, there are also opponents to that approach because you don't need to explain it. <laughs> so <laughs> it's both an advantage and a disadvantage. So I think, yeah, to get more people into Java, all this, this new stuff like records and, and the simplified main are improvements. But we must not forget that at some point, people need to take a step forward and, and do learn what's hidden there. So I actually think there's been a boilerplate problem with Java since I started with it in the late 90s. And you might notice that I've been trying to solve it the whole time with frameworks like AppFuse and JHipster, right? That generate that boilerplate for you. So yes, like it's bothered me, right? And frameworks kind of help with that. Um, but then you'll see through the, like the JHipster efforts, right? We're taking it even a step further where we generate the whole app for you. So the one thing I do like with the framework space is a lot of uh, start.spring.io, like launch.micronaut.io, and Quarkus has code.quarkus.io. Those all give people a better place to start because they create the dependencies they need in just the, the basic shell of a project, right? Instead of starting from scratch. And what I've seen with Oracle is even on their dev.java site, I've noticed that a lot of the articles that they will host on there, if they're from third parties, they don't allow frameworks mm -hmm. to be discussed. And so in that sense, it's kind of like Oracle's very good at promoting Java and trying to get people to use Java. But when it comes to frameworks, they're like, eh, don't use those. And like frameworks are my love and joy, right? Like if there weren't frameworks in Java, then I wouldn't be here. <laughs> and so I think, uh, you know, yes, we have a boilerplate problem, but there's also things like records, right? Records come into play and they're awesome and you can't use them with JPA. And you're like, what? Like, that's why I want records is to use with a JPA project. And to be fair, like you might say, well, what about Kotlin? It has data. The data class is not supposed to be used with JPA either. There's plenty of articles that explain why both of them are bad. And it's like, for me, that's like, well, the frameworks are holding us back now, right? Like the language has evolved, yeah. but why can't we use these new features? So it's kind of a, you know, yin and yang. Uh, I actually, you know, want to want to come back to uh, the point that uh, Elvira mentioned. Uh, I uh, uh, actually never uh, never thought about the learning aspect uh, about the the boilerplate, right? Because I, maybe because I don't have a computer science background, right? Like I, I I learned whatever I needed from here and here, like Frankenstein, and after a few years they all came together and okay, okay, I know the language, right? So uh, um, that never occurred to me that when you're actually learning, it, it's actually useful to learn, okay, why why do you have these, right? Why do you have a hash code method? Why do you have uh, an equals? Why do you why do you have the two string and all these things? And how do how do they uh, go in the uh, hierarchy and all those things, right? Uh, so yeah, that's that's a that's a very interesting point uh, uh, of this boilerplate. Uh, and of course, like uh, still, I, I think still we shouldn't have that because of course there are many other languages where you you can do everything without any of without needing all this right and also all this made sense in an object oriented world and i don't think uh, we are in a, in a, at least currently we are not in a object oriented kind of uh, a setup it's it's either hybrid like like uh, yeah I, I don't remember seeing any project which is like pure object oriented there is always uh, some functional programming some imperative programming there uh, so yeah i think to evolve with the you know trends or to evolve with the the whole the whole industry 
I think uh, yeah, we 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 should think about how to teach those concepts, but we should also see how we can make it easier. Because once you have learned it, those are still going to annoy you, right? When you start uh, producing code, those are still going to annoy you. So we, we also have to think about, okay, how, how to teach the concepts, but also how to simplify the language. And I like the uh, uh, approach of unnamed classes and all those things, but but I think getting rid of these would have been a much more value than getting rid of the static void main, because you don't write that a lot. You write these a lot. So, yeah. Well, actually, you all bring me to ideas to... Uh... To just to switch the learning uh, curve instead of starting from the basics and going up to the modern, start from the modern language and uh, add kind of advanced class the history of Java and mm -hmm. tell there everything about uh, about the how it started that, and why. That, yeah, we we recently uh, uh, there was uh, someone recently asked me. Uh, the, yeah, this was uh, I think uh, uh, Mohammed was doing this. Was going around uh, uh, interviewing people and asking which version of Java should people, a beginner, start with. And I was like, 21, the latest. Start with the latest. Like, forget about all the old stuff. Start with the latest. And if you ever have to do something, then learn those, right? So, because at least it'll, it'll, it'll be, you know, they'll have more features to get uh, excited about. They won't feel, uh, you know, they won't feel left out uh, if, if they are coming from another language or if they are looking at other languages. They won't feel that you know, left out. So, yes. Um, That's why I think that Java gets a bad name in the industry is because everyone's using Java 7, <laughs> Java 8, right? Like yeah. most people, like most Java jobs are working on a legacy system that your job kind of stinks, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's no fun because you're just fixing bugs. You're never writing new code. And so I think, you know, there's kind of, <laughs> there's this yeah. problem in the Java ecosystem where a lot of people are not using the latest stuff because they can't. True, true. I mean, it's true even for the J hipster, right? Like we, even though we support all the new versions, we never could actually rewrite the code. Let's say to use a, a switch or or this deconstruction or whatever, right? We could we could not because we, we are still afraid that okay, someone might want to use it with a previous version and then we won't be compatible, right? So I think that baggage, yeah, that that baggage is definitely holding Java back. But I appreciate the frameworks that have said Java 17 is our minimum version, right? So that has helped, I think, a lot lift the ecosystem where people are trying to migrate to new ones. Mm -hmm. And especially when someone like Pivotal, now Broadcom, right, says, actually, we're not going to support Spring 2.x after this date. And if you want to do it, you're on your own, you know? To continue with the same discussion, right? So I, I would love to hear what uh, each of you have uh, ideas you have uh, to make uh, Java more attractive to beginners and students. What 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 could we do to make it more attractive? What I'm trying to do is is um, creating some videos and, and blog posts with Gbang. Mm -hmm. So, it, as Matt said, getting your stuff set up the first time and you need to install Maven and then uh, build it and and Gbang helps you a lot there. And I created some some examples with 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 my stuff here behind me, with my Raspberry Pis and LED strips and stuff like that. That you just have one file, and everything is in that one file to define your dependencies, and then just run the application and have something on the LED strip, some blinking LEDs, stuff like that. So fancy things, which you can do with one single file. Actually, a bit what you can do with Python. 
but I never loved Python. I always ended up with problems with pip install, and then suddenly it was pip3 install, and, and things were broken. So um, having issues with your system set up to program, that happened to me also with Python. So I don't think it's only Java, Java which has a problem there. Sure. I think GBank, for instance, and having a lot of content available, uh, between Christmas and, and New Year, I had a, a live feed, uh, live video with uh, Almas uh, Bayem, who created FXGL, the game engine in Java and JavaFX, and we also created the GBang example. So now you have a game, which is only one single file, one single file, and you have a shooter game. So I think if we can make more of these, and show that Java which was born as a language for setup boxes and, 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 and user interface design is now considered to be a backend thing, but you can do a lot more than that. And I think if we can show that more to the world, then we can also convince more people to try it out and, and see what they actually can do with Java. So I don't really know that we have a problem getting new people to like Java because as a consultant before I joined Okta, I was always trying to get people to use simpler frameworks like Rails or um, even while I've been at Okta trying to educate people on Kotlin as an easier alternative to Java. And what I've found for the most part is the people that are transferring from some other language uh, back in my consulting career around 2010, it was Cold Fusion. They didn't want to learn Groovy because guess what? There's not a lot of Groovy jobs. They wanted to learn Java so they could up-level their skills and go get a better job. So maybe if Java speakers just started telling people how much they made, then people would be like, oh yeah, I want to do Java because that's what I found is a lot of people want to do Java because it pays really well. And a lot of the alternatives that the Java ecosystem has in Kotlin and stuff, that only really appeals to Java developers. It doesn't appeal to the other people that just want to get a good job in the ecosystem. Now, when it comes to students, I think the problem there is the teachers. Um, no offense to you, like I know right. this is a U.S. thing and I don't think it, it applies to other parts of the world, but in the U.S. they're teaching C and C++. Both my kids have taken computer science classes at their university and they haven't been able to ask me any questions because I don't know anything about those languages, right? I can't help them. And so they're kind of stuck with, you know, actually struggling through figuring out how to use them. And so I think in the universities, there could be just Java right, as an intro language, and that would help it tremendously. And uh, there is something I wanted to make you aware of in case you weren't, that there's a project called, what is it? It's a, it's a project to enhance undergraduate computer science curricula in the U.S., and it's basically trying to initiate a long-term partnership between the computer science industry and software industry and academia, right? And I think it's very important because, like, there should be professors that are up to date on the technologies and teaching those, not teaching them something that they can't use when they get out into the real world, right? Couldn't, uh, couldn't agree more. Uh, uh, most of the time, the now I wouldn't say problem, not to offend my colleagues, but most of the time uh, we are teaching students things we know. And how longer you're working as a teacher, how more is the danger of not being updated on the new things? 
so yeah, that is really a danger. Right now we are uh, offering actually well different languages. We start for, with C. Uh, by the way, we are not uh, only programming bachelor, uh, we are technical programming. So we are making robots and some, some uh, races between some, some uh, cars to finish first and avoid obstacles and uh, things like that, a little bit playing around. But we start with C. Then our second language, while on which we spent a little bit more time, is Java. In second year, uh, they are getting C++ uh, and a little bit of, uh, don't be scared, Haskell. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, they can apply for the extracurricular uh, courses of Python because it's it's actually everywhere Python. I mean, I would like to add to that, right? Like Matt said, uh, he doesn't know of a problem, right? So, so this this comes from the the fact that there are other options for people, right? Now, like at least uh, 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 maybe not for students, or even for students, right? Like uh, uh, I'm I'm a strong advocate of uh, uh, sunsetting C and C plus plus and just using Rust. We'll we'll be we the industry will be way better off. We'll have way, uh, especially I think people like us in the cybersecurity industry will be way better off, less issues to worry about. Just, just they're good to learn. They're good to learn basics. Just, just, just forget them. Move on to Rust and forget that they were. Anyway, uh, but there, you know, there is also Go, which is a very viable option uh, for uh, anyone doing Java, right? So similarly. Uh, um, uh, like yeah, uh, uh, there are many other uh, uh, newer programming like, like Julia and all these things. Then hundred other newer languages, right? Which kind of uh, uh, solves a lot of issues that we have with other languages. Uh, then we have, of course, the elephant in the room, Python. I want to come to Python in in the next question, so let's let's park it for there. Um, but yeah, that that's why uh, uh, I think that there are other options, right? And and when there are other options, and when we have uh, some uh, uh, negative uh, press or you know this this sentiment around something it it doesn't help. That's like so. What can we make to what can we do to uh, make it more attractive and how can we reduce that negative sentiment? I guess uh, adding people like uh, Frank and uh, the projects and then podcasts he's doing and show them really to the students or people who are starting with the language uh, that's a big advantage a big addiction to to make the language popular. And maybe we should invite the teachers to the jugs and stuff like that, because yeah. that, the yeah. new evolutions are shown and, and you get demos of what is possible with the Java of these days and not the Java. Yeah. So, but, but actually, in a few months, uh, I'm organizing a, a few days course for my colleagues uh, on, uh, on Java, uh, given by, uh, we are still in doubt about two companies. Uh, to 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 learn teachers the newest Java from from pre-age Java eight until the modern Java twenty one and some uh, preview features of Java twenty one. So yeah, work in progress. Nice, nice. So Frank, you brought up jugs, and I think that's an excellent point. Not just getting the teachers to join the jugs, but actually going to the teachers. I would like to see a lot more jugs started on campuses by the students or the teacher or whatever, because that's where students are going to show up for, right? I went to school here in Denver and we host our Denver jug meetings downtown 
And for me, that might have well has been in another country when I was a college student, right? It was so <laughs> far away. And so if I just had to walk across campus to a meeting, chances are I would have done it a lot more. Okay. The elephant in the room, Python. <laughs> so yeah, uh, uh, like it or not, we are in the post uh, machine learning AI world, right? Like, so it's it's not going to slow down or anything. It's just going to, uh, you know, uh, expand, expand until it eats up everything else, probably. Uh, and and Python is at the forefront, right, uh, uh, of, of of that. So uh, I'm not a fan of Python. Uh, I don't like the semantics of the language, actually. <laughs> I don't have anything against the concept, but it just, like, doesn't, you know, trigger any happiness if I write Python code. Uh, uh, but, yeah, um, and... Uh, Java, unfortunately, is quite behind, right? Uh, we don't have anything uh, to offer in, in much. We don't have much to offer in that space, especially the AI space. Of course, we can offer a lot in the ML space in terms of data processing, you know, like, uh, I mean, Hadoop and all those things. It, it, it's there, right? So we, we uh, Java has offered a lot in the machine learning uh, uh, part of it, but in the uh, AI, Gen AI, or AGI, or whatever, that space we don't have a lot to offer, right? And I would blame ninety percentage of that to uh, the JNI and all those <laughs> the 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 fiascos around there. And I'm hoping uh, Project Panama will address some of it. But still, uh, we have to agree that uh, uh, Java doesn't have a big presence there, right? So, what is your opinion on that? And where do you see Java in a post uh, ML AGI world? You have been uh, to the latest uh, JFL, right? Yeah. There was uh, an, uh, a lecture or a talk about uh, machine learning with mm -hmm. uh, Lego bricks. Yeah, yeah. That That's the biggest example because, uh, yeah, Python is famous inside machine learning, but I also don't like Python. Uh, by the time I learned Python, it was the between Python 2 and Python 3. It felt like... A, it's a language with identity crisis. <laughs> You're not sure the things which are forbidden in two are are must be used in Python three at stages. So actually, I tried to use Java in the early states for machine learning, and it was really hard. And right now, it's <clears throat> still becoming better. The language is evolving, and I think that people don't know it can. But actually, Java can be used for machine learning. And right now, in uh, April, we are starting with, uh, with a course machine learning uh, to learn system to drive a simulated car with Torx. Mm -hmm. And I am planning to do it in Java and to motivate as most people as I could to do it in Java instead of Python. Matt, you're wearing a t-shirt of DevOps, the 20-year DevOps, so it was a DevOps. I've seen there a talk about Langchain4j, which is okay, we have to admit. It is a Langchain, which was made in Python, which was then remade in Java. <laughs> yeah. But, whoa, I'm, I'm doing a talk at FOSDEM uh, in a month about searching through the docs that I write for Azul with a chat GPT-like interface. So I'm feeding that little Java VIX application with my real docs. So it is not linked to some trained model of two years ago. And wow, again, it's Java, what you can do with so little code, because there's 
a powerful library created by amazing people for free again uh, and you can just add a dependency to your project and you have this whole thing that's available in OpenAI and okay you have to need a, you need a key and you have to put at least one dollar in that account of OpenAI to to have some kind of uh, thing that you can call there but yeah Python has grown a lot thanks to machine learning AI but it's also inspired a lot of Java people to do similar things and I'm only mentioning Langchain for j there's a whole list of, of libraries, projects, then we have evolutions in Java, indeed in JNA and, and stuff like that. So uh, the vector API is also, I think, uh, yeah, yeah. improved that. So um, if someone asks you again, which Java version should people learn, it probably will be 23. <laughs> it's not there yet. <laughs> that will be the starting point because a lot of these things will be there. Um, but Ali, hopefully... <laughs> Yeah. We yeah. cannot predict that. We, we have to wait. Yeah. To... Vector API has been like fourth incubator. I thought yeah. like three, after three, they, it will be stable, but it's like a fourth incubator. Okay. So, yeah. I think we have things which are in the sixth preview version. <laughs> uh, it, it sometimes takes some time before Java evolves, but if it arrives, then you can be, be very sure that it's good stuff that you're getting. And at same with the library. So, I. Yes, we are behind with machine learning, definitely. But there's a lot of things going on there. I think it's it's somewhat the nature of the language the where I've heard it from the people that work on it at Oracle that they want to be the late followers, right, of the trendiest things in languages so they can get it right. And so I think, you know, from that perspective, yeah, Python might be ahead on the AI stuff, but I think we'll catch up, right? And from a new beginner perspective like i don't hate python in fact you heard that i gave books to my family and there was a python one in there right but career-wise the funny thing is as a consultant for 20 years before i joined doctor i never saw python and i never saw it as a threat and i never encountered it at any companies right there might have been sys admins that knew it and might have automated some stuff with it, but it was never really even on my radar until I worked with other developer advocates that loved it and promoted it. Randall was on our team at Okta, and then at Auth0, we have Jess Temporal, and both of them are such huge enthusiasts of the language that it's a little catchy, right? Like I'm a little bit of an enthusiast just because of them, and but I haven't written any Python code. So I think from a beginner perspective, it's people like that that will make beginners attracted to it not the language itself it's just people that are are gung-ho about it so same thing with java if we have more java champions or advocates that are just like this language is great without being a framework fanatic like i am then chances are it won't be as much of a threat yeah and and i'm definitely excited for uh you know when uh, all the panama uh, stuff lands like properly and then actually you, you can start doing java on gpu because currently we, we we cannot do Java on GPU unless you want to uh, kill yourself by trying to do it with JNI. <laughs> so yeah, I'm definitely hopeful that uh, once you know we have the vector API and we have Project Panama uh, uh, stabilized, I think yeah we will catch up uh, with all the GPU stuff and all the CUDA stuff and everything. So uh, for someone starting uh, out and uh, trying to learn Java, what advice would you give them? 
Use IntelliJ. <laughs> Agreed, 100%. And it's funny because when I started, right, creating my AppFuse project, it was all AMP-based. And I had a very strong stance at that point that do not use an IDE. But I was also a guy who used HomeSite, which is like an HTML editor, right? I would look up the imports and copy and paste them. And they've gotten so much better, right, in the last 20 years that I almost laugh at people who don't use an IDE now, right? And so I think, you know, the IDE is going to help you greatly. I think, you know, maybe if you're going to use a framework, start with something that's been out there a while, right? Like Spring Boot has so much documentation and so many tutorials, and they're so good at backwards compatibility that it's pretty easy to pick up for a beginner versus some framework that came out last year or last month. Like, it's going to be tough to get started with that. So, um, yeah, use your IDE and, you know, use a framework. But, again, if you really want to learn the language, then using a framework might not help you do that. For a beginner, I guess uh, a good advice is watch out which resources you are using when you are Googling stuff. Because just Google things and, uh, oh, it works. And then just implementing it and it appears to be the wrong code or just and Python 2 code, then you're wrong because you're not programming. You're, like we say, yeah, not programmer, but Googlamer. Googling and programming, and you are not learning anything, or actually you're learning the wrong stuff. So choose your resources. I, I, I feel attacked. I even have macros for copy. Sorry. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> Raise your hand if you are a full stack overflow developer. <laughs> stack overflow, yeah. Can I continue with the IDE? Uh, if you're at a new company as a, a new job and they're not willing to pay immediately for an IntelliJ license, that's a really big red flag. <laughs> you can gain so much uh, efficiency if you're using the right tools. It's not only IntelliJ, it's, it's all the right tools. Uh, if a company is not willing to give you the right tools if, for a new job, uh, that's a red flag. You should ask that before joining. <laughs> um, um, getting started with Java, how can... Uh, actually, I have a, we have a tutorial on, on Fuji, a quick start tutorial. Gives you 10 lessons, a half an hour for really the basics. And then, yeah, uh, learn from other people. Learn how others are doing something. Uh, there are amazing tutorials online. Uh, a lot of them for free on YouTube, on wherever, um, on Fuji, of course. Uh, but I have to admit, on Fuji, we uh, may be focusing a lot on, on very experienced developers and diving deep into certain topics. Uh, so we don't have that much content. And maybe, yeah, you're right, Elvira, we, maybe we need to create more of these, uh, create more simple examples how do you do stuff with a few classes and not a full project uh that's maybe something we as as java community could help but developers themselves like the best way to learn is build something right like doing tutorials only gets you so far and it's not really going to stick you're just going to be like wow that worked and now i can clone the git repo and my code matches right but building something that you want to use in your life that'll That'll make you learn and it'll stick and it'll be great. Uh, for, for the advice, I, I, I want to add something as a polyglot developer, right? Uh, this is what, what helped me uh, learning multiple languages. So 
uh, for for java specifically i i still recommend people to start with the latest version and uh, uh, what i what i know so what what i see working uh, especially if you're coming from another language or even if you want to go to another language after java right so learning uh, the the basics of uh, uh, this these will be the basics of any language like uh, learn about the type systems uh, learn about operators learn about uh, you know uh, functions control flow generics pattern matching these kind of things first before you start learning the language specific things and then go with the, the say java specific things of inheritance polymorphism or all, all that things and then go with you know functional programming or oop or the the you know uh, or uh, i mean of course you will know imperative programming by now but then yeah of course i think i think it helps to learn both not just one uh, i think both are yeah. quite valuable and i'm a strong believer that uh, don't go with just one use both like like don't just do functional programming if you want to have if you want to tune uh, your program to be as fast as possible you will end up writing imperative code so learn all the methodologies and use you know what what works for that particular situation so use the right tool for the job so and yeah, uh, as Matt mentioned, look, uh, I don't know if Matt mentioned that, but don't start with the framework, but do the language first, learn the language first, and then, of course, learn some frameworks, at least some uh, uh, basic frameworks, because I don't think you will be writing code in pure Java in, in real world uh, cases. You'll be, you will be using frameworks. You'll be using, if you're uh, writing a web app, you probably will be using like Spring Micronet or something. You're not going to write uh, uh, pure Java code, right? So, yeah. The final question I have, um, what langu languages do you think uh, have best job opportunities these days from what you have seen? Last year, I've seen more and more students getting away with Python <laughs> uh, because machine learning is getting big. And actually, every small company wants to do something with machine learning. So I guess the short term, uh, short projects is Python. But I know a lot of big companies who are uh, doing some of GVM languages. So I guess it's uh, it's more the question, what are your interests? Are you more interested in data or in backend or in frontend or in security? So what kind of job do you want is yeah. my question. Because if you want to be a consultant and you actually want like latest and greatest kind of languages and frameworks, right? So I would say in the enterprise space, it's probably Java and Go. Um, you know, at OS0, we have a lot of our infrastructure written in Go, but a lot of it's also in Node. So Java, Go, and JavaScript, probably not Rust. Sorry, Deepu. But, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but, but like as a consultant, but a lot of people don't like consulting because they're like, you know, I might have, you know, an issue where I need healthcare and I need benefits and I live in this place called the US where I don't get that just by living, right? And so I want to go work at a company for a long time and and have those good benefits. Um, in that case, it's what does the company have, right? If you want to go work for Google, then chances are, you know, you could learn Angular, right? And TypeScript, and you don't even need to know any backend languages or stuff like that. Or Go, I think they have a lot of stuff in Go, and I know they have a ton of projects in Java, right? And at Okta, we have two main clouds, our workforce cloud and our customer identity cloud the workforce cloud is all java all spring boot the identity clouds all javascript and like hoppy and node so it kind of like it depends on where you want to work and what you want to do mm -hmm. and maybe also the type of company if you go to the yeah. old established companies then 
chances are you are getting with an old language, meaning a language which already exists a long time, like Java, uh, C Sharp maybe. Uh, and then the other startups, they are typically somewhere in that TypeScript, JavaScript, Node environment, or some other fancy thing that the founder probably knew when he was developing the project of his <laughs> own. So, um, yeah, it depends also a bit on the company. But I think if you have a good understanding of a language, you can pretty easily switch I made a switch from ActionScript to C-sharp to Java, which are different, but still the same somehow. So being a good developer is understanding how you structure your code, how you can talk to the clients, internal or external, understanding what the problem is, how you can solve a problem. So being a good programmer is not only knowing a good language. Uh, actually, I had someone who said, yeah, I chose programming because I didn't want to speak to people. And then I found <laughs> out that I need to speak a lot to people to understand what they really want to be fixed. So um, being a programmer is much more than just typing code. So which language? Of course, it's Java, if you ask me, but <laughs> probably there are a lot of others which will uh, give you a nice job and hopefully a big pack of money, as uh, <laughs> I was saying before. <laughs> but I, I think can... the best money is uh, with the mainframe and Cobol. They have a lot of stability with Cobol and mainframe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. and they, it pays a lot. Uh, uh, the first company I worked with, uh, we had uh, mainframe developers, and for the same level, they they used to get twice the pay for the same level, just because they knew mainframe. <laughs> so yeah, but I would say to keep yourself as like an enthusiastic developer, enthusiastic developer, uh, look at open source projects because even if you can't use your favorite language at your company in your job. Mm -hmm. Chances are there's an open source project out there that either you could start to use your language or that you could join and really help those people out. And that will transcend into your next job. And you won't just be tied into your experience from that job. As as you know, someone who's been a new developer before without a computer science background, I got degrees in Russian international business and finance. And when I decided my senior year to switch to being a programmer, like, you know, it was it was kind of difficult getting in and what really, you know, helped me in my career was was conferences and open source, yeah. right? So doing a lot of open source really helped me learn. And especially because I did it wrong a lot and people would be like, your two string sucks, right? Or your hash code is wrong for hibernate. <laughs> stuff. So I kind of learned through community <laughs> feedback. But then I made friends who seem like old college friends from going to conferences and speaking at conferences and just networking with people and it's still a joy to go to a lot of the Java conferences because people have been doing it for 20 years and it's tough to get new people in. But I think at the same time, that's that's what Deepu and I are trying to do at developer advocacy and Fujay is trying to do it as well, right? It's just, and you're educating people on, you know, how to be programmers. So I think we're all, you know, doing our part and I think you all have had a good experience like with this career. So I would encourage everyone to, you know, just, be a part of the community and go out. And even though it kind of, you know, can be nerve wracking to talk to people and especially when you have social anxiety, like it's very rewarding. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think open source has, yeah, I, I don't think I would have been 
uh, in the industry or I would have learned all multiple languages or, you know, whatever, had a career if it wasn't for open source. So I think open source kind of helped me learn like most of what I learned. And 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 uh, the point uh, what Matt said, right? If you like something, and even if you don't, can't do that in your work, yeah, you can always do open source. So that's what I. That's why I I write code these days, like because I want to write Rust code. So I'm doing a lot of open source projects. <laughs> the Java community is really a warm community, a really welcoming community. Even if you are a, a newcomer or you're just fresh first year, second year students, it's. Uh, uh, they all feeling welcome and they all help, uh, feeling helped it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think any other language has the kind of jet networks that uh, Java has, right? The the mm -hmm. consistency and the interconnectivity of that, right? I mean, they all right. have user groups, but yeah, we have hundreds around the world, and you know, there's part of me that wishes like it was originally started by Sun and invested in by Sun. I wish Oracle would invest a little more, right? Mm, but yeah. otherwise, you know, there's plenty of companies that are investing. So I think they'll continue to thrive. Thank you so much, uh, uh, everyone. And uh, especially our amazing guests uh, and, and uh, all our amazing audience uh, for tuning in. Uh, keep an eye on uh, Fuji for uh, future articles about development and everything related to the Java world. So thank you and adios. Give me a food. Give me a J, give me the friends of OpenJDK.